And we've been telling you since the second Sunday in, in January, and we'll tell you throughout February, that uh, South Metro Ministries exists to help people find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. We do not exist because there needs to be a church of God on Highway 34 because there's a Baptist church and there's an Assembly of God church nearby. And there's a... We don't exist because uh, we want to be different or because uh, we want to build a monument to a man or a denomination. We exist because of the Great Commission. And, and Jesus said in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, it includes this business of Helping people find love, growth, and purpose. So today's focus is on the subject of growth. And so that's why we read from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The real focus is in verse 18, but I want you to give it the context of verse 18. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, I guess it's not up there, is it? Coming with it? Okay, you got your Bible. Nevertheless, verse 13, we according to his promise look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Look at verse number 14 if you have your scripture. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Listen to this. Jesus hadn't come yet because he's given room for salvation. Did you, you understand the long-suffering? We should already been raptured and gone because all the signs that precede the rapture has already taken place. We're living on grace. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. When the last days come, folks are going to take the Word and try to make it mean what it doesn't mean. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, that folks are going to take the Word and twist it to make it mean what it doesn't mean, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. But, here we go. Here's the focus. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Uh, Remain standing. This, This little plant right here has adorned my office for over 20 years. This plant. It was with me in the church down the road where the church of the Nazarene was. It was given to me by a sister who's going on to heaven. It has grown six to eight feet long. I have trimmed it back. And every week I put a little water in it. 
One time Valerie cut it back to a knob and I thought, good God, she killed my plant. And if well taken care of, it will probably outlive me. But it didn't just sustain because once somebody gave it to me and I watered it one time and for 20 years it's been going. I'm here to water your plant today. Touch your hand this way. Pray for me, somebody. Everybody, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want us to be mature Christians. I want to be a mature Christian. And so I pray you release fresh oil and fresh fire and fresh anointing. God, anything I'm going to say that glorifies Alan, you cancel it. But everything I'm going to say that glorifies Jesus, you amplify it in our lives. To which everybody say, Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Oh, I'm going to just leave it there. Yeah, thank you for helping me out. I want to throw it at somebody. Uh, I want to keep my plan. Let's get right with it. Without a doubt, the biggest problem that we have in the church world, Christianity, not just South Metro, without a doubt, the biggest problem we have in the church today is that of spiritual immaturity. We get ourselves in all kinds of troubles, church, by saying immature things and making immature decisions and by acting in immature ways. And so Paul says, and Peter repeats it in his writing. We need to become spiritually mature. We need to, we, Alan Matura, we need to grow up. Don't look at him. Don't say nothing to him right now. But have you ever had to say to somebody, grow up? Has anybody ever had to say to you, act your age and not your shoe size? But, Peter says in 2 Peter 3 and 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you know that it is God's will that every Christian becomes spiritually mature? God wants us all to grow spiritually. In fact, Paul scolds the Corinthians at the church of Corinth for their lack of spiritual maturity. And he says he treats them as if they're still babies in Christ. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and here's what it says to us about spiritual maturity. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Pause, 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 pause. All those babies I just dedicated, three of them, they appear to me to be of age where they will not... Be able to consume broccoli and carrots and cabbage. And probably when they get older, they don't want it either. Right now, in order for their digestive system to retain nourishment and grow thereby, they need milk, liquid. So Paul says, I've been with you a while and I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I am taking a course at Regis University working on my doctorate in, in ministry, and the course is entitled 
Strategies for Managing Church Conflict. Now, I told some of my peers in that class, I know how to create conflict. I just, just, I just need to know how to manage it. And so we have to interact with our other students, about 25 of us in the class, and every week we have to post online. And the professor asked us this week to, to post a conflict situation uh, and, and a scenario of what you have to deal with. What is your most challenging, they, they asked us, what is your most challenging responsibility you deal with now? And one of the uh, gentlemen whose first name is John, he, he is in charge of 124 churches. And he began to list some of the immature behaviors of churches and pastors and associates and staff. Some of the ways they behave. Like one guy, the pastor resigned and the associate thought he should be the pastor. He got mad and took half the crowd with him. Let, let, let me tell you, that I, when I read about what some churches go through, I'm thanking God I got South Metro Ministries. Elders beating the tar. I, meet, I want to meet you outside. You won't take this to the parking lot? It, it, if the church is behaving that way. Huh? If the church is behaving and they're coming in the service, they got my seat. That ain't your seat. They got my parking Who said that's your parking I don't. You didn't donate nothing. God gave his life. You might have helped us buy it, but your name ain't on that seat. It ain't on that pew. It ain't on that parking spot. This is the house of God, and we all have all things common. That's how it flows here. Now, I don't know how it flows at the First Baptist or somewhere else, but here. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm going to create some conflict while I preach. And I, I, I text, I, I, I emailed John. I responded to his conflict. I said, John. If the church is behaving this way, can you imagine where the world, what the world will do? Paul says you are immature if in the midst of you as Christians you have envy, strife, divisions. You're carnal. And you ought not to be that way. Now, now let, let me say this to you. Uh, there are some things spiritual maturity is, but I want to point out to you three things that spiritual maturity is not. Number one, spiritual maturity is not a matter of age. Spiritual maturity takes time. It takes energy. Write it down. It takes effort. No one becomes spiritually mature overnight. Even Jesus himself, the Son of God, born in this world as a baby and grew into childhood and young adulthood. The Bible says of Jesus in Luke 2 and 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God because spiritual maturity takes time. Here's the warning. Here's the warning. You can get older and not grow to spiritual maturity. It's like the bumper sticker that, that I heard of. The bumper sticker says, I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. Some Christians refuse to grow up. I, I've seen 50 and 60 year old spiritual babies. I laid in bed last night with Valerie and I said, if I could make it to March, if I could just make it to the end of March, 29, I would have been here 30 years. And then I'm going to quit. But I ain't about ready to quit. I've been practicing on you all for 30 years and the best of me is yet to come. I started with you, and I'm just going to die among you. Because Let me tell you this. I have a lot of growing to do, and I want to help you get there. But sometimes, 
see, sometimes you don't know what I deal with between Sunday a.m. and Saturday. And I know I can be a struggle, but I, I want to tell you something. There are some people, they, they, they got the age and they look it, but they are it's still in the nursery spiritually. You're going to do what? Uh, spiritual maturity is not a matter of appearance. Put it on the screen. Some people can look and sound spiritually mature. They know how to talk the talk. But the question is, do you know how to walk the walk? Some people look holy. They seem to have heaven hovering around them. But that may just be appearance and not reality. Appearance can be deceiving. I I didn't hear nobody helping me. Looks are deceiving. How many ever heard of saying, you can't judge a book by the cover? I have been told by people, read this book, or I've seen the cover of a book, and the cover sounded so inviting. And next thing you know, I opened the introduction, bought the book, read, read along, and it was an absolutely loser. The cover was the only good thing about it. You can't judge a book by the cover. Spiritual maturity is not a matter of what a person looks like or sounds like on the outside. It's a matter of what's taking place on the inside. Because out of the issue of our heart, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Write this down and remember it. Put it on the screen. Spiritual maturity is not a matter of achievement. You know you can be recognized by all kinds of organizations, but that doesn't make you spiritually mature. You can have all kinds of degrees and diplomas hanging on your wall, and i got a few on mine, but that doesn't make you spiritually mature either. Achievements are not a sign of spiritual maturity. So what is? Get this. Spiritual maturity is a matter of character. Character makes a difference. It's character that counts. Famous evangelist of yesteryear by the name of D.L. Moody said this, Character is what you are in the dark. Character is who you are when nobody else is looking. Character is who you are when you are alone at that computer screen. Character is who you are when you are alone with the remote control. Character is who you are when you are alone with your own mind. Somebody done you wrong and you're thinking, my, just give them a piece. Character is what you are and who you are in the dark. Recognition is what people say about you. Character is what God knows about you. You, you, you didn't get that. You see, here, some of you are looking at me and T.D. Jakes are going to say that. And you're going to say, isn't that great? And I already said it before he did. Write it down. Remember this. Recognition is what people say about you. Character is what God knows about you. So today I want to give you five marks of what it means to grow up spiritually. Number one, a spiritually mature person is positive under pressure. Well, you find that, Pastor James 1, 2 through 4, reads like this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I, I say that to tell you that if you're seeking spiritual maturity and you want to be complete in Christ, James says you and I have to have a positive attitude when it comes to pressure. 
One of the hardest things for me to do in trials and tribulations and problems is to be joyful. Light up the ground floor right here, folks. All of us have problems in life. All of us. Every once in a while I want to say, please play for me a sad melody. So sad that it makes everybody cry. You know, one of them, somebody done somebody wrong song. Some of you sitting over there like you're so pious. You, you, you ain't so pious. I know your stuff. And you ain't patient. The last thing you want to do is have joy when somebody done your wrong song. Me too. Why do you think I got the SOS on me every once in a while? I ain't big enough and I ain't tall enough and I ain't strong enough to go around slapping people. But every once in a while I get the spirit of slap on me. Let me show you what I mean. Stand up, Gordon. That, no, no, no. Uh, what I'm saying to you is, what are you thinking, James? What are you thinking? What are you thinking when you write, count it all joy? I went up to a brother in the faith, a preacher of the word. If I told you his name, you'd know him on Friday. There's been some issues in his life and family. And I've been trying to help out. Went up to shake his hand. and He, he said, not now. He told me, not now. I said, brother, you're not going to shake my hand? I reached out to him four or five times in the last eight months. He turned his back on me. I had another pastor with me. I said, I get the message, brother. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Because in the flesh, <laughs> in the flesh, in the flesh, I wasn't moving on. And I said to myself, that's the last time I'm going to reach my hand out. And you know what the Holy Ghost said? It ain't so. I can't stand when the Holy Ghost talks to me. And sometimes the Holy Ghost uses Valerie to talk to me. And that's worse. I said, the first time you refused me, I ain't coming back. And the Holy Ghost said, how many times have I forgot, forgiven you, Alan Matura? How many times you reached out to shake my hand when you done wrong and I went ahead and shook your hand? Don't you none of us be judging somebody else when we got some baggage in our own life. So when I see that brother again, after I slap him, I'm going to shake his hand. I won't slap him anytime. I, I love that brother, but there's some stuff you got to work through. Patience. Oh, he might be looking at it now. I love you, brother. I love you. You see, oh, yeah, thank you, Brother Willie. What, what, what I want you to understand is, is under trial, how, how do you handle trials? How do you deal with being dealt a bad hand? Do your problems blow you out of the water? Do they get you uptight? Do you grumble and gripe when you have problems? Do you get negative and nervous? Because the first test of spiritual maturity is how you act. Do you act positive under pressure? Remember, again, the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Folks, here's the fact of life. Here is the fact of life. Life is full of problems, and a big part of life is just solving problems. You're either coming out of one, you're either in the middle of one or you're fixing a head in another. But if you'll count it all joy, the last one didn't kill me and this one ain't going to kill me. 
The Lord gave me the last job and He'll give me another job. The Lord helped me through the last time I was in, in the emergency unit and He'll help me through this surgery. Oh, because God says, if you count it all joy, if you offer to God the sacrifice of praise, the hardest time to praise God is when you're in the fire. But if you praise Him in the fire, He'll air condition the fire and send Jesus to walk with you in the flames. I wish somebody helped me preach. The question to ask yourself is, and I'll ask myself, Alan, do I have the right attitude as I approach the problems of life? You know, the Bible says, you know, some of us profess to know the Bible backward and forward, and, and yet, if we're rude and crude and obnoxious, we really don't know the Bible. What's your attitude to life? Does everybody owe you something? Oh, God, help me. I want to to stay sanctified here. Number two, a spiritual mature person is sensitive to the needs of other people. At South Metro Ministries, one of our core values is growth. South Metro Ministries exists to help people find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. And a spiritual mature person... It's sensitive to other people's needs. Look at what it says in the gospel, in, in John, the epistle of John, chapter number 3, 1 John, verse 17. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Sensitive to other people's needs. A spiritually mature person is sensitive to the needs of those around us. A spiritually mature person doesn't look out for their own needs alone. They are aware of the needs of other people. You know, when children are young, little children, two years, three years, it's all about I want this, I want that. I don't care about you, what you want. I want, I want this toy, I want this cereal, I want this little car, I want this baby doll. After a while, they're trained to find out that the world... Doesn't exist for your purposes alone, child. But spiritually, immature people says, it's my way or the highway. I want it all. Give it to me. Uh, oh, my, my, my. Thursday morning at 11 o'clock, we had a table right here. And on that table were tokens, memorabilia. We had two easel stands. And we conducted a memorial service for a brother in the church who was 84 years old, went to be with the Lord last week, by the name of Dewey Voiles. He was shorter than I am, and that's pretty short. And Pastor Darrell made the observation that when he started coming to this church, Pastor Darrell did, he would notice that Brother Dewey was not in the service on Sunday mornings, and he wondered, like I would wonder, if he's missing church and laying out. I do wonder about that sometimes. Yes, I'm talking to you who should be in here because you ain't in California. You're right down the road. Peace and joy. Uh, and we wondered if, 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 if Dewey was missing church. And every Sunday morning, I don't know if you know where Little Five Points is in Decatur, Georgia, but it's not San Diego, California, upper. Okay? 
Every Sunday morning, Dewey would go feed the homeless breakfast, preach to them, and feed them lunch for years. Dewey saw, had some of the... He, he didn't, Dewey didn't have enough money for his own funeral. What kind of man is that, Pastor? No, don't, don't judge Dewey wrong now. Because <laughs> where Dewey's going, he's going to walk on go. It wasn't about the type of funeral he had and whether he could afford this or that. It's how he lived his life. It don't matter if you got money for your... Well, it does matter. God help your family if you don't have money and you're hoping to have some kind of big go away. It's good for you to get some insurance. Can I get a, Let me say you this. If you don't have... You to get some term life insurance and save the rest of us a lot of trouble when you die. Everybody okay? Because we're going to put you in the cardboard box. Just a little, just a little humor, very little. See, the fact of the matter is, Dewey cashed in one of his insurances, whole life insurance, to help the homeless. And, and what we need, see, Dewey, Dewey Vols, you probably never have seen him. And he hadn't been here in two years because the man was very, very sick. But Dewey Vols has perhaps done more for the kingdom of God than Alan Matura had in all my years put together. Because he understands the spiritual maturity is when I find somebody else in need. If I got bread, they can have a little bread. If I got $5, maybe they can have two. If, if, if I got a car and they need transportation, maybe I could take them to a medical appointment. Can I hear somebody say amen? If they don't have food, maybe I could buy some bread and some cheese and some milk and drop it off. I don't care if I don't get credit. All I care about is my brother is in need and my sister and I'm a child of God. Can, can I get an amen? Let, 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 oh, my, my, my. Look, look at this. God tells us the spiritual maturity is about love, being concerned about other people. The sign of spiritual maturity means that we don't show favoritism. We don't become a snob and look down our nose at other people. I, I'm learning all this. You understand? We don't, be, we, we don't become rude. We, we, we don't judge by appearance. We don't insult people. We don't exploit people. Y'all get up here to where we are, then you can have a conversation with us. That ain't God's kingdom. God says in order to be great in the kingdom, you've got to become a servant of all. So the second test of spiritual maturity is how I treat people. A few Sundays ago when I preached on love, I preached on 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul says, I can, and I'll paraphrase it to fit the context of the 21st century. Paul says, I can build churches. I can write theological articles. I can put out Christian CDs. I can give all my money for international mission work. But if I don't have love, all I'm doing is tooting my own horn. It really doesn't amount to a whole lot. In fact, it works nothing. You see, the second test of spiritual maturity, how I treat you and how we treat each other. The third test of spiritual maturity, a spiritual mature person is a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. Well, y'all are okay out there? You're fine, ain't you? Ooh, sometimes I... Oh, I live to preach the gospel. But I'm a lost man if all I know to preach it and don't know how to live it. I got no business telling you how to fix your stuff if I got stuff need fixing. And I'm working on this part. All of this. I'm not there yet. My father will be 85 years old next month. I'm 58. And my idol, forgive me for using the word idol, my mentor, my spiritual father and my biological father is Sam Matura. And I have seen my father operate in this kind of maturity. 
Blessed. Look what the Bible says about the peacemakers, if you will. Jesus said in, in his words in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Is that good preaching? Uh, let me say it to you further. Here's what James says in James 4 and 1 from the message translation of Scripture. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. That's me. The biggest problem in conflict management and confrontation is usually you or me. It starts from our own desires. Because, because James goes on to say that we, he, he says we fuss and we fight and we fume because of our own inner desires. You want something and you don't get it, so you get mad instead. James says, James says when you get mad, you, 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 you take it out on other people. James says you kill and you covet, but you still don't get what you want. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something about what our desires can do for, to us. Our desires, inappropriate desires, write it down, can be dangerous. And the, look at this. Inappropriate desires can be damaging. It all begins with D except for one of them. Dangerous and damaging, inappropriate desires, immaturity. It can also be distorting. Can I get an amen? Dangerous, damaging, and distorting because we can distort things to make it look like uh, okay, I've got to be careful, very careful, very careful. I don't want to just be out there in the news world on NBC. Brian Williams is having a difficult time surviving now because, because he, he uh, indicated a personal testimonial of being on a certain helicopter in a certain war zone at a certain time and others who were there and been there and done that have said that didn't happen that way. And I think that, that, that Brian Williams is facing an issue in NBC of credibility, and he really didn't mean to be distorting, but, uh, but perhaps his desire to, to be able to identify with those who were suffering caused him to may have uh, embellished the story. I, I didn't hear you say amen. Remember the fish we caught? It was the biggest one we ever caught. We had never caught a fish that big before. But as we told the story, did, did you understand? Uh, we don't have any photos, nobody does, so it's just our word against theirs. It, we really struggled to bring the fish in. But it, it almost pulled us out of the boat. Almost did. Matter of fact, by the time we got it in, we identified it as the one that swallowed Jonah. We caught the fish. Can I, can I get a witness? So, so sometimes I desire to be recognized. Number one, the man. Can, uh, our desires can be damaging, distorting. And, and, and not only can it be damaging and distorting and dangerous, it, 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 it can be damning. Damning. We can damn our own selves curse our own selves and others because of our desires. 
They can bring curses on us. If they're inordinate desires. Did I hear anybody say amen? Come to the music, if you will. Uh, and here's, here's one more thing I want you to see about desires. James says we should be a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker. Uh, not only is it dangerous, damning, distorting, but it's idolatrous. It can lead to idolatry. Can I get a witness, somebody? The question to ask today is, am I a peacemaker or am I a troublemaker? Please, I, I want to teach you here. Oh, my. Every winter, every winter, Some years ago, maybe three years or four years ago, Valerie loves roses. Loves roses. Red roses. And so on the occasion of Mother's Day, I went to a nursery. Valerie is the, continues and will always be the love of my life. If Valerie ever leaves me, I am going with her. You ever heard the song, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever heard it? Anybody ever heard it? Some of you ain't raising your hands. We know you heard it. I bought about 15 plants, especially generous. I got tired every Valentine's going to the cemetery and getting her roses. She got tired of that too. They're dead anyhow, and they don't have a clue. I never did it, so don't so go. Don't go quoting me. Well, there's Brian Williams, if you will. Pray for the man and love him. I hope he comes out of this thing good. Can I get an amen? I hope he comes out. He's human. He's human. Every winter, we have those rose bushes cut to the ground. Am I know what I'm talking about? Prune. Something about pruning that ain't pleasant. Cut it to the knob and come. About March, things start showing up. Little twigs, little hope. Don't ever say I never gave you something, but take it to my office after the second sermon because I ain't giving it to you. Bring, bring out the praise team. Bring out the musician. And come March and April, and especially May, every rose bush is sounding out hallelujahs. She looks out at the back patio. She gets on the deck and she says, what a great husband I have. I've never heard her say that. What this kind of wish. So, so, so let me, let me say, I, think I got two other points, but I'm not going to get there. Perhaps next week. My, my question is, do I like to argue? Do I like to debate? Do I like to stir the pot up and hurt other people's feelings? Or am I a peacemaker? I told you, we're growing here. We're doing, so, so I told you this. I said that spiritual maturity is not a matter of age. It's not a matter of appearance. It's not a matter of achievement. I told you that spiritual maturity is positive under pressure. Sensitive to the needs of other people. Wherever you go, when you die, let it be said of you, he preached his own funeral. I will do a funeral today at 2 o'clock in Griffin, Georgia for Harmon Hazelwood, 69 years old, five years ago, had lung transplant. After I finish this sermon, this is the sermon I have for Harmon today. And I want to say about Harmon, since you're not going to be there probably, because you don't know him, but 
I'm going to say that Harmon was faithful. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And I know Harmon, so I can say I will say that Harmon was patient in suffering. I will say to the family and that Harmon was sure and steadfast in his faith. Bow your heads. The Holy Ghost is saying to me, it's time for him to do the work. Do not examine Alan right now. Do not examine your wife or your child or your the person on the chair on your row. Let the Holy Ghost look on the inside because character is who we are in the dark, who we are in, the, in our own self and person. God, am I light or am I darkness? Am I adding to the kingdom or am I distracting from the, from the kingdom? It's not what I do on Sunday morning in the context of the other worshipers. It's who I am with my wife, and my husband, and my children. It's not what I do on the, the boss. And it, it, it matters all that takes place in the workplace, but it begins first in my house. And I need you to help me to be patient, to help me to be a peacemaker, to help me to be positive under pressure. So, pastors, you close in prayer today. Remember me. I'm struggling with some stuff. By now I should be on the meat of God's word and I'm still on some milk because there's some issues that I've not yet conquered. And I believe I need to learn how to reach out my hand and forgive anyhow. I need to let it go, Pastor. I don't want I don't want anger to send me to hell. I don't want jealousy to send me to hell. I don't want to, that bitterness send me to hell. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Say, Pastor, as you close today. There are things I just need to give to the Lord. And, and I, I'll just be very specific. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You, you're not, if you're not saved today, if you're not born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you know that He knows that and you know that, and you also know that He don't have special arrangements for your arrival into heaven outside of the cross, you've got to come by way of the cross. Pastor, I need Jesus as my Savior. And as you pray, I'm not going to ask you to leave from where you're sitting or... Uh, whatever, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And as I pray, I'm going to pray for you. Can you hold it up if that's you? Thank you. Thank you for your transparency. Now, put it down, if you will. And I'm not even going to ask about raising your hands about the other stuff because I think we all fit the same category, me especially. We need to be peacemakers. Stand to your feet, everyone. Please, would you, would you stand to your feet? One of the things I pray for about this church every week is that we be one. That we be one. Regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your income, regardless of your attainments or lack thereof, regardless of your age, that we be one. Make us one. One of the things I pray for is that if, if your child gets hurt, we all come to your aid. If, I, I don't want your daughter to become pregnant out of marriage. But if she does, we don't beat her up and kill her. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want... I, I want the homosexuals and lesbians and others to know that they're welcome here if they're looking for Jesus. They're welcome here. I want the adulterers and the fornicators. You're welcome here if you're looking for Jesus. If you're living in that lifestyle and, and you want to be changed, come on. Come on, okay? I, I, I don't want us to be the kind of church where, where if, somebody gets into, if somebody has a moral failure, all of a sudden we scatter. Take up stones. We'd be one. Might we, might we model this and make you uncomfortable, but just, I won't make it, I don't want you to make you uncomfortable, but in order to model it, I need for you to take somebody's hand on either side of you. I need you to cross the aisle. I need you to, I need you to, I need you to just help me here.
above for a little bit. I know you've got that microphone, and I'll, I'll hold it in this hand, and I'll hold it on. And now I'm going to ask you to pray about the person whose hands you hold on either side and say, I, I, I want, I, if, I, if they're in need, I want to pray for them. Because one of the mature, marks of a mature Christian is I find somebody else's need. I want you to say, if they need prayer, if they need something uh, in this church, I don't want it to be about me, myself, and I. Begin right now to pray for each other. Go ahead, begin right now. Holy Spirit, go ahead. Father, this is my sister. She's holding the hand of her sister. Come on, these are my brothers, these are my sisters. All of this may be your spouse. Make us one. Peacemakers, not troublemakers. And God, in the name of Jesus, you didn't ask us to give them a house, and you didn't tell us to give them a car and give them clothes and everything we got. You just said if you if you got something and you can give and you can share, then do it. If you can't, then pray. Make us one. I pray against a spirit of division and strife and discord and in our homes, in our marriage. Come on, pray for your marriage. Pray for your children. Pray for their marriage, their children, their income. Pray for their walk with God. I rebuke sickness off of them. I want them to be healed. Whether I prosper or not, I want them to pay their bills. I want them to have a good job. I want them to have joy in their life. When the pressure comes in, I want them to count it all joy. Count it all joy, oh God. Cynthia and Don in their lives. Come on, come on in Jesus' name. God, I want you to give them a blessing. Then release those hands and raise your hands now and just give God thanks to Jesus. You can clap it if you will. Come on. Come on. Come on. Praise Him. Sing for Come on. Lift your hands with me before we go. Come on.